episode seven of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing is right now. Braxton, Steve, and Jake with you here. Dylan not feeling super great tonight, so we are giving him the evening off. Guys, what about the uh, Coda weekend? How are we doing after that? Well, uh, about Dylan, I guess you could say he's probably under the weather. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we missed very cloudy skies, uh, in in Lexington for Dylan right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) a few pop-up showers. Oh, okay. I think, I think we've exhausted it, but if there are any other ones, (laughs) try to try to pepper him in. Um, I was, I was very, I don't want to say, you know what? I'm going to say that I was pleasantly surprised with Coda. I don't like that track normally, um, for cup series races. Um, but I was I thought the racing was the best that we've seen there um, since they've been running there. So I'm, I, I was great weekend overall. A lot of fireworks all around. I I have to agree with Steven. Like we talked about last week, if you would were to rank the road courses on the schedule, this one might be towards the bottom, but I was pleasantly surprised. And I thought everything about the cup race was pretty good, you know, towards the end, all those cautions maybe not but i think a big difference was probably that was our first race at coda without these um the stage breaks uh and that's that's a new rule this year for road courses and i thought that led to a lot of interesting strategy it um but in all reality, it was it was kind of Tyler Reddick's race to lose. He he went on a little different strategy than the majority of the field there in, in the middle of the race, which was interesting to see play out. But um, I thought overall it was a pretty fun weekend. Yeah, I'd say um, Sunday for me was a little bit of a, a kind of a downer in terms of like the quality of racing up and down the field compared to you know, the great action we saw in the truck series and Xfinity series races on Saturday. Um, Honestly, like when AJ Allmendinger got involved in in a restart accident, really not involved, but he had nowhere to go. He had to come to a complete stop when uh, Eric Almarola was turned back around facing no snows with him. I was licking my chops. I was like, okay, this just got really good because AJ is going to put on a hell of a show here going through the field. Um, And unfortunately, we just didn't really see anything uh of that nature you know up and down the field uh on sunday but still plenty of, of action sunday that uh especially the the, the battle between reddick and, and byron was uh one of the best ones that we've seen there um you know in terms of guys you know racing each other pretty cleanly you know you compare to last year and stuff where the finish was kind of marred by that uh that contact uh, involving bowman and chastain there in the final um final couple of corners coming to the checkered flag. So uh, overall, I think um, definitely not a perfect weekend, far from it, but still uh, not a complete disaster either. Um, Let's start with the truck and Xfinity races on Saturday. I mentioned AJ Allmendinger making a big run through the field. Uh, Kyle Busch had a strong run through the field in the truck series race as well. Ultimately the truck series race won by Zane Smith. Um, Zane, you know, a guy that you don't normally uh, would think as a as a strong road racer, but he's won back to back races at Coda now in that uh, 38 for Front Row Motorsports, uh, and I think you know he he is well on his way again to being the uh, the favorite there in the, in the Truck Series. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think that he's going to be a uh, 
the I don't want to say he's the heir apparent for Stuart Haas Racing. I think at some point he's going to be uh, a driver with SHR. It's tough to say right now, but he put on quite an he's had a quite quite an impressive season. Um, you know, so I don't know. I I caught a, the end of the truck race. The Xfinity race was I thought better than the truck race. Uh, you know, I thought Dinger was uh, you know basically what we see of him normally. I kind of expected him to win both the Xfinity and the, the cup race somewhat, but uh, you know, those road ringers, it's tough sometimes to win back to back races, you know, but uh, the Xfinity race was good. Chastain looked also very good um, uh, in, um, you know, he looked great uh, in the, uh, in the truck race, but um yeah, I don't know. Overall, solid uh, Xfinity and Truck Series, Truck Series races for me. If only Omendinger would have won the Cup Series too, because that was my pick to win. Got the wrong series for him. That's all right. I, I thought uh, Xfinity was it. It's it's always pretty good in in that series, and it it was solid. Um, and then the Truck Series, what you know with Zane Smith, once again, uh, you know, Kyle Busch racing in these series, it really, really helps, you know, when Zane, Zane Smith has a great race and then you know, Kyle Busch finishes second. But when you're racing against guys of that caliber, um, I think it just improves everyone in the field and it makes Zane Smith and what he's doing all that more impressive. Um, it, it I, I love it when all three series go to the, same racetrack because it doesn't happen every weekend. And um, I thought overall NASCAR heading out of Coda. Um, I think there is, there is some uh, momentum with all three series. It's interesting, Jake, you bring up, you know, the way like Zane Smith is run against Kyle Busch and having Kyle and those other guys go down and race in the, in the truck series, especially mm-hmm. is I feel like a lot. And it ties in really with the way the cup series race ended up going yesterday. So I think there's a uh, a wide belief that the truck series drivers are all about just beating the crap out of each other, to be honest with you, and and making your way forward with that. Uh, and and you don't see that with Zane Smith. And you also see, you know, a, a good example on how to race. You know, when a Kyle Busch goes down there to run, when you know Chase Elliott goes down there to run. Uh, you know, he'd race at, at um, Daytona this year for uh, McNally Hilgeman. You know, guys like that, that, you know, have been around for a while, they understand the respect that is required to to race at the highest level and such. They set a good example. Uh, so I think that is certainly, um, you know, a, a benefit there. And and Zane is one of those guys who races everybody, you know, as clean as possible. So I think it's uh, uh, like Steve mentioned, you know, he's uh, he's likely, you know, I, I think as long as he stays in the Ford camp to end up with uh, SHR, a matter of. Uh, uh, of when he moves to the cup series, because I think he is certainly worthy of it as well. Um, the, as we move to, I, before we move to Sunday, I do want to um, make note of Zane Smith's celebration. And um, he had quite a hot celebration. He, if you didn't see the video, uh, Zane's doing his burnout. Of course, at all road courses in the NASCAR uh, national touring series, they have a rain weather package. So, on the trucks and cars, no matter what, they have windshield wipers and a 
a beacon light in the back window and mud flaps, quote unquote, but they're, they're slotted. So they're really just to help reduce the spray uh, in a rain situation. And Zane Smith knows his truck up onto the pit lane wall was doing a, a kind of a standing burnout, hot pieces of rubber caught the spray flaps on fire and the fire spread to the rest of the truck. Um, just a, I, I thought it was just a, 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 a comical calamity to have there after winning the race. It, it was hilarious because uh, nobody seemed that concerned that the truck was just on fire in front of them. And I'm like, like if, I mean, I guess, you know, that's just how it is, but I thought it was, I was like, this, this truck is fully engulfed in flames. And everyone was like, yeah, this was awesome. Um, I wanted to mention one thing about Zane Smith because I think that he is eventually going to be a, a very solid cup driver if he gets good equipment. Is that this year, like he won uh, Daytona, and then uh, you know had a top five in the in the next few races, and then won at Coda, which is the same exact thing that he did last year. Um, he had he won Daytona in the trucks, and then you know top five, and then he had he had another win at Coda. Uh, you know, obviously he was the top he was the top dog in. in in the truck series last year, but um, he, he's grown very fast. And I think that he's going to be a, a, a very solid driver for years to come. He, he's certainly grown a lot from his first foray into the, the national touring series when he ran a uh, partial schedule with junior motorsports a few years ago. I think that's fair to say across the board, right? Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll jump on over to Sunday then uh, in the, the cup series. Um a race won by Tyler Reddick, the I think we can all agree the fastest car, the fastest driver of the weekend ran uh, won the race. But at the same time, um, that there was a sour taste in my mouth from just the way that these guys just couldn't make it through that first corner without you know hitting each other and destroying each other. And I get a little bit of contact here and there and bumping and banging and stuff, but come on, at least try to like make the corner right. Um, but overall, that was my takeaway. But what did you guys see in that race, aside from the calamities throughout the end of the race? I was very impressed with the 45 uh, all-race, but it was kind of hard for me to think. First of all, I was very impressed by him because I you know, chose him as my pick last week. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised i feel like that's not necessarily a common view um i thought the racing was very good your point about turn one is taken well i understand that it was a lot of bumping and banging initially um when i was watching the first few times if there was like a restart uh you would see everybody kind of try to really really punch it inside and then kind of make a turn it's hard to do over a podcast but i think if anybody watched the race they knew they would some guys would just try to go outside and then really really try to punch that corner but it led to people trying to funnel and like kind of that newton's cradle effect where you know they would bunch up and then everybody would get turned so you know it was it was frustrating to watch that a lot of the time because by the time all of the that those drivers are getting sorted out you know they're in a few other turns already. So that's tough to see uh, sometimes because you, you'd obviously don't want there to be any kind of uh, 
after one restart or after one turn, you know, having to deal with carnage. Um, but overall, I mean, I was very happy with how the racing was in, you know, at Coda this, in, at least in the cup series race. Yeah, I, I was, I was pretty satisfied too. And you saw, you know, social media reaction during the race. Um, I remember seeing a tweet from Jeff Glock from the athletics saying, you know, this is probably the race of the year so far in NASCAR. And then all the calamity happened there um, in overtime turned out to be triple overtime. Uh, and it, it, and I, I, you got to give credit, I mean, to Tyler Reddick as well. Not only, you know, he dominated the race, but with every, you know, every single overtime that is going on, you know that, you know, people might be going after him. And it kind of goes back to what Braxton was talking about with the respect on the track. Um, you know, Kyle Busch was right next to Reddick, right, right behind Reddick, finished second. Uh, you know, it anyone could have just probably just taken him out there on that turn one. Um, it seemed like the leaders played it well. And then you got a little bit further in the pack and they were bunched up. Um, and that's when, you know, we saw a whole shuffling of the, of the uh, order there. And you saw some real, real contenders just in those overtimes just fall way down. You know, Joey Logano didn't finish well. Almondinger, uh, Suarez. Uh, Suarez. Austin Dillon uh, ha- was having a great Sunday. Ends up finishing 33rd. Um, so it, it, it is what it is. I, you you kind of you knew once the first caution came out late in the race, you knew it, it was just going to turn into that. And that's that's just what it is. But everything leading up to that, I thought, was was pretty entertaining thought uh of the the four um kind of world champions from or or four you know uh experts kind of at that track from other disciplines being jordan taylor jensen button kimmy raikkonen and connor daly uh jordan taylor obviously in the best equipment of the bunch um really impressed you know his his practice speed on friday his qualifying speed on saturday uh, were were fantastic, and you know, getting clean laps. Um, but I think the the overarching you know feedback that I heard from especially him and Kimmy and Jensen was that um, it, it's kind of made them have a little bit of you know cause for concern about whether or not they want to run NASCAR races in the future. Uh, Kimmy left his door wide open. I thought Jordan kind of had a good time, but basically they were just like. Hey, if we're not going to race with a certain level of respect, you know, in in so many words, whatever, then uh, especially getting through that first corner, then you know it it's, it takes a lot of the fun out of the race for them, in that they can be having a great race and just get totally cleaned out by somebody from behind. It's like they have no control over the situation. Um, you know, like IndyCar gets through or has gotten through that you know corner many times before, just fine. Formula One gets to that corner, just fine. Uh, of course, they don't have bumpers. That makes a big difference. Uh, but I think that it's definitely a situation where I think something has to be done. Either somebody has to start calling out drivers for being bulls in a china shop, uh, or NASCAR's got to step in and do something. Or I think it's going to have a negative impact on the sport 
in attracting drivers from other disciplines to come in and and want to to run these kinds of races. I agree to a point, but I do think that the drivers who come from other you know forms of racing, whether it be Formula One or IndyCar, are they they're forced to be more cautious because it's all open wheel, and so if you have a guy like Jordan Taylor who who has come from IMSA or other types yeah. i think he Full has body cars still right he has more of a you know i, I think he 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 admittedly said he didn't realize how kind of you know violent it was going to be coming into some of those at least some of those restarts in 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 turn 1 but um daily or uh or Raikkonen, you know i know that it's tough feeling like okay well, there's not a whole lot of finesse here. It's a lot of bumping and banging, and then you're going to get through and see what your you know your road skills are. You're able to show. I I get it, but I also think that you have to know that going in that there there's going to be a lot of running into like just door to door um, type of racing. If you have these cars and and the Formula One and uh, IndyCar, I mean they don't take a lot of damage or they're not, they, they're not really equipped to take that much damage. A cup car can, you can really run into somebody on the side and still be able to keep going for a while. So I thought that, and Denny Hamlin made a, a, a point about this on our, uh, on his podcast that, um, you know, that he felt like Jordan was running into him a lot. And I thought, well, that's probably true, but he, a couple of those um, restarts, I saw Jordan get absolutely hammered uh, from all sides. So it's tough to say, but you know, I get it. I understand if they probably wouldn't want to come back, but I would. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see Jordan Taylor back, you know, in the cars. He was unreal in that qualifying session. I wonder, it, you know, with um, we talk about Taylor and, and him getting, you know clocked a lot and i wonder if that's just it, it you know drivers just trying to take advantage of someone that you know maybe isn't expecting that type of racing even though you know i i agree with steven the fact that heading in to the race and looking just you know at the recent history of the some of these road courses that, that it's just going to be chaos heading in heading into you know to the first few turns and maybe coming out of the, the last turn um, and that's, I think it, it goes back to the respect factor. And just a couple of weeks ago, you know, we brought his name up a few times now. Kyle Busch stated, you know, there, there is just no respect anymore in, in the garage. And you don't really remember the types of, you know, aggression and what we're seeing, you know, with some, you know, bumper cars, if you will, heading into the, the first few turns on road courses don't really remember that you know five six years ago of course you know we're at new ones now with the indy road course and coda uh the charlotte roval um i i you know i i hope it doesn't impact you know drivers um you know from around the country around the world want, wanting to come into nascar and uh I think, you know, I, I wish, I, you know, in that aspect, I wish the whole calamity at the end didn't really happen because I thought up to that point, I thought the race was great. 
Um, like like we said, there wasn't really incidents like that. Um, and then we just kept seeing, seeing it and seeing it towards the end there. You know, I think there's a couple of things here. So Steve, your point, the the cars have a composite body now, and it, like I said, they take a lot more side side impact without having any consequences for it. You know, if they had a steel body, that's cut tires left and right, and I think that would that would kind of force drivers' hands to be more cautious a little bit. But also, I feel like on the respect point that um, you know, it used to be like a Dale Earnhardt type would you know he would make a point, and he was kind of he was kind of like the clubhouse leader, if you will, that, you know, he would rough you up, but he would come back, you know, the next weekend and put his arm around your shoulder and whatever. And you kind of get the idea. It's like, okay, like, you know, I shouldn't race people like that, not just Dale, but anybody. Um, there's not really anybody like that in the cup series anymore. Um, Kevin Harvick is, is kind of the elder statesman in that. Uh, I put Denny, I put Kyle Bush in that same category, uh, but none of them have that, uh, just have that, way about them like Dale did of being able to to command respect not just for himself but for the entire you know sport you know everybody racing on Sunday and um there's some something that's got to be done there do you uh, do you uh so about this because this is, I think is an interesting topic and and Denny mentioned that some of that in in his last podcast mentioned that he believes some of that has to do with the fact that it's incredibly hard to pass nowadays where like, you know, you bump somebody, you come back, you used to be, you, you bump somebody, you run somebody over, uh, and then you, you can come back and, uh, eventually get your spot back. And that doesn't exist as much anymore, which is true. I would say to a point now, I agree with him because it's hard to, you know, for instance, if there's a, if there's a driver who, you know, kind of runs into another driver and he's still able to come back, there's a chance he gets a spot back. If he does, he's immediately going to be going for that revenge type. Whereas it used to be, there may be a chance at revenge, but he's going to, he's going to work on just maintaining where he was previously. So do you think any of that has any of it, any of it has anything to do with that? Yeah. I mean, I certainly do think, you know, that the track position absolutely means hundreds of times, thousands of times more than what it did, um, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, part of that is, is a common car really that there's, you know, it's not, it's not like the, the days when Hendrick had something up their sleeves, you know, Ray Everham worked out some new suspension, get up, whatever that's going to make Jeff Gordon be light years faster. Okay. So what if Jeff gets moved out of the way, he is 100% going to make those spots up. The cars are just so close now. Uh, there's that's absolutely no opportunity for that. Yeah, you see, you know, cars that kind of get taken out, uh, not taken out, but, you know, some mistakes, even, you know, if a car has a mistake on pit road this season or it gets a penalty, I mean, it, it's it's tough, really tough to get out of that hole and you're, you're going to need a lot of help. So I, I do think that uh, the lack of the ability of passing – you know, does probably weigh into this. And, and another factor is that there really isn't, you know, say a, a Dale Earnhardt type in this series right now that uh, maybe, you know, commands that the respect in the garage. And not that, you know, the 
not that there's not veterans here, but uh, probably the average age of the Cup Series right now, I, I don't, I don't know, it is is really low from what it, it has been in in the past five, ten, twenty, you know, ever. I, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but there are just a whole lot of young guys in the series right now too. Well, that and there's so there's no Dale Earnhardt type, but also, uh, you know, from the way that that Dale Jr. has talked many times before that, you know, when you did something that NASCAR wasn't happy with, you went and you got effectively chewed out by Mike Helton. And that's not happening anymore either. Uh, so I think, you know, that is a combination of those things for sure um, that, that makes a difference that, uh, or at least it's not, you know, publicized as, not, as happening and stuff. Maybe, you know, maybe NASCAR has, you know, called and tried to have a conversation with Denny and, and Ross, for example, or whatever. And, and this is not being talked about, you know, in the public. Uh, but I think there's certainly some things that need to be done. Um, and I didn't mention the possibility of single file restarts. An idea, you know, that comes to mind is something that you see in some of the top late model ranks is if you spin a guy trying to pass him, you're going to the back of the field with him. You know, you, to where like, you know, basically if somebody goes around off of your bumper and, you know, it's very clear that you, you weren't, you know, tagged from behind to cause that in a chain reaction, you're going right back to the back of the field with them. There has to be some sort of way to disincentivize just wrecking people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the ultimate right answer is, but something has to be done. So you know, when in relation to the single file restarts, I feel like, yes, that's an option, but it all depends on where the first turn is in relation to the, um, the first in relation to the start finish line. So for instance, like uh, the start finish line at Coda versus where turn one is, regardless of whether you would have a single file restart, if you did, that's fine, but people are still going to be dive bombing uh, in that first turn at some point. So I don't, I mean, I don't know how much that would actually do. And NASCAR may go back and try to do that at some point. They've done it mid-race, which they did at the Bristol Dirt Race uh, when it was really, really bad. Um, the, the, the dirt was really, really bad. But, I mean, you have to at least try. They have to try something. Um, you know, one thing I noticed, too, is that it, these courses, these these road courses that have a sharp turn one. So Coda, sharp turn one. Roval, sharp turn one. Uh, Chicago, where I am right now, is going to have a sharp turn one. Uh, Watkins Glen, to an extent, has a sharp turn one. All has these issues. Indy Road Course has all, all has these issues, right? Sonoma has a sweeping turn one. And they get through the turn one, two, or one, two, two, a section at, at Sonoma just fine. Maybe, maybe there's got to be, you know, some sort of, of discretion in NASCAR's choice of, of road course. Maybe that comes into it. And, and I understand to an extent, like the choice of road course has to do with, with markets they want to be in. I get that. Um, but there's got to be maybe some, some adjustment there to, to go to road courses that are going to better suit this car and and I don't think NASCAR should have to do that. The drivers 100% should be more respectful, but ultimately um, I, I don't think they can go down the same road that they have been and you know just groundhog day it, you know, for lack of a better way to put it. Do you guys think that there are too many road courses on the schedule? Mm, no, I don't think so. Right, right amount of not. Uh, 
No, I don't think there are too many, but um, like I, I believe that there are some ovals that like I would replace, I've said this probably on every podcast, but I would replace like um, Richmond with another Watkins Glen for sure. I love, I mean, I like Watkins. I, I don't mind road courses. I used to be very anti road course. I've noticed that's, you know, they're never going to get rid of them and that's fine. I've grown to like them now. Um, there are a few that I'm not wild about Coda being one of them, but I don't think there are too many, but I also would rather not see more of them if, if that's a yeah. good enough answer. Yeah. So have- I, I think right now the number of road courses is fine. Although um, my opinion is is possible to change come June 1st. So, and, and basically that is if there is another fantastic oval race at Charlotte in the 600, then I think it would be worth, you know, going back and just running the oval twice at Charlotte uh, because the oval has been okay, um, but it is uh it 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 always doesn't do a whole ton for me. I thought it was a good third road course, um, but I think you know if the if the the six hundred puts on another great race, then why not run the oval twice at Charlotte? And, and and maybe that opens the door to go to another road course, you know, in a different market. Yes, um, but yeah, I agree with you on the roval, and I I do think as somebody who has watched. Um, a lot of fireworks at the Roval with, you know, uh, the, the, a few, a few of the Chase Elliott, whether it be the win, uh, where he kind of ran into the, uh, ran into the wall, then it won and then did his burnout on the wall and his car ran away from him. Uh, and then, you know, the Harvick incident with him and then, you know, getting back up and then Harvick running into, uh, into the, I think he already run into the safer barrier. Or he ran into the tires or something like that, but um, kind of ending his playoff run. So, uh, I do like the Roval. Um, as far as road courses go, I would say that the Glen is probably my favorite, and then I would go the Roval after that. Um, but um, I, they're fine. I, I think they provide entertainment. I, I'm i not sure how the Chicago street race is going to be. Um, I like, I like uh, Sonoma a lot too, but it's, uh, it's not really, for me, it's not feasible. I, I just don't think that they're going to, take one away and then bring another oval back, especially one that's already on the, on the schedule. So, you know, I, I would love for that. Believe me, this, you know, the, uh, Charlotte's great. So I'd be all for it. You sound like uh, a little bit like Freddie Kraft with the, uh, Charlotte's great. You know, he always says Denny's great. <laughs> I, yeah, I like Freddie Kraft. I like everybody on that, uh, on that podcast. How about the idea? Probably would never happen, but just running two ovals at Charlotte and doing the roval, considering that that's the home base. Look, I I don't think oversaturation. I don't dislike that idea. I I mean I think you know the the better races. Uh, so if we're talking like geographically speaking, and I, I I'm sure that there are maps to back this up that like the vast majority of NASCAR fans are in the South. Um, and that's probably always going to be that way. That's not to say that you shouldn't open it up and try to bring other markets into it. However, there are 
you know, over 30, 37 weeks total with, you know, the clash of 38 weeks total roughly and, and the buildup. Um, I don't think it would hurt to appeal to your base with another race that is, uh, that can cause as, as many, uh, uh, I guess I don't like to overuse this word, but as many fireworks as like the one last year at Charlotte did. So, or at least the 600 rather. So, I mean, three races at Charlotte. Sure. I wouldn't be uh, opposed to it, especially if, if two of them are going to be as exciting as the one uh, last year. Well, and consider too the number, uh, you know, the number of weeks they've reduced the number of off weeks in the cup series that I, and uh, in NASCAR overall, I think, so I think that would, you know, help a lot because, um, it's been talked about in many places and many, you know, outlets have, have talked to owners and drivers and such about how difficult it is to, um, to, to hire and retain quality employees, especially road crews. So give them an extra week at home. I know it's one extra week. I don't know that's going to move the needle a ton, but it could move the needle a little bit to where there's an extra week racing and you could just still sleep in your own bed. So, uh, then I guess I kind of have a, I would, I'll ask both of you this question. If we're talking about like either replacing a race with another race, um, I think Texas motor speedway, I, I don't think that there is a single person I know who watches NASCAR. Who's like, I still love watching races there. I think at this point it's universally disliked, um, as, as in my view, Richmond is universally disliked. Uh, I would be fine with both of them being off of the calendar completely. Now, Richmond has what, two races a year, Texas, one. So that's three races that you could at least, I get that they still want to stay in Texas. That's fine. They can, um, you can get rid of, you can get rid of one Richmond race or a Texas race, find somewhere else, maybe use Coda as the race in Texas and then find another market or add another Charlotte race onto, uh, that and just take away one of the Richmond races or take away Texas. I, I just feel like you can do more and, not have to worry about going to another market and spending all of this money uh, on, uh, you know, enhancing a track or, you know, doing what they're doing with Chicago. It It's kind of funny how I, I'm, I like the idea of going to Charlotte three times, but sometimes I think that it, you know, cutting maybe a Richmond down from two to one uh, it, it, could honestly help the track maybe even with attendance because then you know fans only in that area only have one chance to go to a race weekend there so maybe they're more likely to go to if there's if, if the show comes to town once um but hey you know what know what track probably deserves a second race homestead Ooh yeah yeah absolutely 100 homestead, homestead got the shaft they did 100%. And then, I, and you know, then with this, with the new car and everything, how it's made, you know, those types of tr- intermediate tracks better, man. I would, oh, and the Xfinity and truck races have been fantastic at Homestead forever too. Yes. I mean, I, that would be great. And it, I mean, with the weather too, it, you really can't go wrong putting that at any time of the year. I mean, and two, um, you know, there, there are two things that come to mind when I think of Homestead. And, and the first one was uh, a couple of years ago with Reddick. With with William, there was a race of William Byron one, where it was late race and he had like a four second lead, and you just saw Reddick just ripping boards. Absolutely, I mean a a 
he was he had to be inches away from the wall the entire race and he was gaining ground like crazy william byron i i willie b was i think kind of nervous and if there were maybe maybe three more laps in that race reddick was going to catch him um the the point the other thing that i wanted to say was that you see racing like that a lot there i think that that's mostly if i were to guess most drivers in the in it's rather cup xfinity trucks love homestead because you can you can gain speed at any any anywhere on the track yeah well, and, and and that presents you know differing strategies too so you don't ever have everybody pitting at the same time you know right. somebody might be like i'm going to short pit this and and get fresh tires and haul the mail for a little while and see if i can catch a caution at the right time you know you just don't get that in many other places agreed i would be fine with it i would be absolutely that it it would i mean I I don't know the I'd love I'd love to see a heat map of NASCAR fans where it's like where you see the most as far as like the demographic, but uh, I'm guessing kind of that the coastal this coastal states like Florida, you know North Carolina Virginia I would say I would guess that a lot of them are in those regions you can you can get every those will be sold out races every time you go there I, I'm so. Um, I agree with that completely. The thing that's interesting, we've kind of gone off on this tangent, but it's been good. I mean, (laughs) there's always, you know, a discourse about how to, um, you know, craft the schedule and such. And, and I think, you know, what we saw yesterday at the end of the Coda race is really spurring that a little bit is of course, like we talked earlier, the, the respect factor amongst the drivers, but also a, do we need to be going to places where it can, where, you know, it, kind of contributes to this disrespect being rewarded um, at, at a place like Coda. Um, do we want to get into our next couple of segments here? I uh, want to go ahead and do some pop-up showers, Jake. Sure. Let's do it. Steve uh, mentioned Tyler Reddick in last year at Homestead and my pop-up shower. And this is a segment we introduced last week, something that really caught our eye from the race weekend. Uh, no matter if it was on the track, off the track, uh, but mine was Kurt Busch in the booth at the end of the race. Um, that final lap with Tyler Reddick leading with 40, the 45 car and 23-11, which he, Kurt has been a part of um, in, this season in, the, in a different role. But he was emotional, and he was teared up, tearing up. And it kind of caught me off guard, but it was in a good way in – you just there's there's so many emotions uh, for Kurt. I'm sure uh, just seeing you know the way it all ended for him with the concussion and that was his car and, and his team and crew chief Billy Scott. Um, it must have been tough. It it but it was you know he it just like I said all kinds of emotions for Kurt. And I think it also is interesting the way that kind of the Kurtz fandom has changed in his career. And I think he is really liked by the fans right now, which is a whole lot different from early on in his cup crew. But right now in the booth, uh, he was great yesterday. I wasn't necessarily a fan of five guys when Chase Elliott joined in and there were five, you know, people kind of talking at once, but when Kurt was talking, um, I thought it was really good commentary. And then the end, you really felt for him. And uh, I'm, 
I'm a Kurt Busch fan right now. Yeah, I agree with that. I definitely enjoyed Kurt when he had the uh, opportunity to call some truck races a couple of years ago. Uh, I thought he was fantastic there. I would love to see him doing more races. Um, it, it is kind of in a uh, a pickle of sorts for the uh, the NASCAR TV broadcasters in that you know I think Jamie McMurray deserves some more opportunities to call live races. You know, obviously Clint is doing well. Kevin Harvick is going to be great next year, I think. Um, Kurt Busch is doing well. There's just not enough seats to go around. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that if they would they'll probably you know stick to a three man booth, but you saw yesterday they tried tried five, so you never know what might happen. I uh, my so before I get into my pop up shower, I'd like to add Gunther Steiner. Uh, it was is great. Uh, definitely thought and wish I heard more from him yes. uh, in that race uh, yesterday. But overall, the the booth was was fantastic. Chase Elliott, you know, he doesn't talk much. I know that sometimes fans uh, kind of get on him because you know they say you know doesn't doesn't have the personality. But but from a technical standpoint and road courses, he is an absolute tactician, and uh, it, you know it's great to kind of listen to him, watch the race, and and kind of explain it. Uh, my my pop up shower. Um, was the 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 not real tussle, but what the pop up shower specifically was the video that Jeff Gluck got of uh, of Chastain and Daniel Suarez after the race. Um, so I you always think it's funny how some of these journalists, uh, ha- like for instance the Kevin Harvick and uh, Chase Elliott issues back at Bristol, are just absolutely right there at the best moments, which you do not always see in other sports. Um, this is one of the only sports where you're able to kind of get this much access all the time. So, you know, and right away, right away. And, and Mm -hmm. so as it's happening, uh, you're seeing it maybe a minute or two after the, after the actual incident. But the specific thing that I wanted to mention was that the Chastain was still in his car. And if the video starts immediately, Chastain or uh, Suarez is, like reaching into the car uh, at Ross. And I had no earthly idea what that was all about because they were obviously mad, but I, or well, Suarez was obviously mad, but didn't even wait until after Chastain got out of the car to start arguing with him. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what I got. I think what, what came from that was that the, what spurred that was uh, when Daniel Suarez got spun on, one of the overtime restarts there at the end. Um, it, he came off of the bumper of, of Alex Bowman and he saw Suarez like move Chastain out of the way, like as they were coming to pit lane after the race was over. So he could go up and, and hit the back end of the 48, uh, which could result in penalties. We'll find out in a couple of days. Um, but then, then I, I, the way I understand it is Suarez got out of his car and was going to say something to Bowman and Bowman was like, Hey man, I got punted from behind myself. You need to go talk to your buddy Ross. And then Suarez stormed down there to talk to Ross. I think it's, it's funny because there's like, you know, one or two things that happened in in every race, at least with this year, because, or at least with this year and uh, last year where someone is just mad at Ross, you know, like he has somebody every race. It's like, he always has to keep his head on a swivel because um, there's some incident uh, where he's built up a reputation that it doesn't matter if it's not necessarily his fault, 
um, he's going to get blamed for it. And he's especially going to get blamed for it uh, in the court of uh, public opinion, a.k.a. He's on, he's on the NFG tour. Yeah, well, uh, he started the NFG tour. Um, <laughs> right. So <laughs> last year at Coda, to be exact, in fact, yes. right? Yeah. And that was and, you know, I, I will give respect to him uh, for winning that race because, you know, he did. I get it. You know, it was his first race and it it was it was huge. The way that he went about it, I mean, if I were Bowman or Almendinger, I would probably still not maybe not still be mad about it, but um, you know, Bowman was probably frustrated too, and and that's just how that's just how racing him is. He's aggressive, and that's you know, the NFG tour I'm sure will continue next week and for the rest of his career. For sure, uh, my pop up shower for this week is the closure of uh, Wild Horse Pass Motorsports Park in Chandler, Arizona. Um, this past weekend was the, uh, NHRA Arizona nationals, uh, drag racing event. And it was billed as the last ever event that is going to be taking place at wild horse pass. Uh, it's not just a drag strip. They have a world-class road course there. They have a lake for drag boat racing. Um, they have a drift course, they have all kinds of motorsports there. Uh, the land is owned by the Gila River Indian community or, uh, uh, there in, in, in Arizona, and it, it's rumored that there's going to be an overpass uh, or some sort of highway interchange built uh, at the at the Motorsports Park there, uh, but it's a place full of history. In fact, yesterday, uh, Camry Caruso became just the second female uh, to win a pro-stock race in NHRA history. Of course, the other one being Erica Enders, who has won multiple pro stock championships. Uh, so sad to see Wild Horse Pass go. It's sad to see another race course go. Uh, worth noting, too, that the, the the road course there at Wild Horse Pass uh, is home to, or has been home to the, the Bondurant School of Racing, racing school there, uh, which so many drivers from all disciplines of racing have attended in order to sharpen their road course skills and 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 get prepared to to go left and right especially nascar guys who came through the ranks uh especially you know 20 more years ago where they only turn left going on, on the ovals and all of a sudden they get to nascar and they have to go to sonoma watkins Glen and turn right as well so sad to see another race course um you know being taken away there uh they they said last year was going to be the last one and then they ended up coming back this year but it sounds like this is truly it um, another one that has gone from the, uh, NHRA schedule along with Houston raceway that had its last NHRA event last year. Uh, it's just a shame to see racetracks, uh, being, being taken down. He, um, and Bob Bondurant was, uh, big, uh, in, you know, the eighties, late eighties, early nineties with, uh, kind of Arizona, Arizona is obviously the, you know, not you know, one of the, one of the newest states. And so they are kind of late to the party on a lot of things, especially with racing and, and Bob Bondurant, you know, I spent, uh, I believe he lived there the last several years of his life. And so, um, yeah, he, you know, that's, uh, that's sad, uh, as a, as a native Phoenician, uh, myself. Um, but, uh, it, that's, I guess that's just how it happens. Uh, quick trivia question: Do you guys know who owns the uh, the lap record uh, at the the road course there at Wild Horse Pass? Um, is it a cup? Is it a former? Is it a former cup driver or current cup driver? It's a former cup driver. 
did that did they win races in the cup series no boris said it's not boris said uh i don't i don't know it is willie t ribs okay Ooh. what a legend and he's still uh, involved he... in the sport he's still in, i mean he's still involved in nascar yep so it's a it was a one and a quarter mile uh uh, road course. He did a that in fifty six point nine two seconds in a Toyota Celica Turbo uh, from ni- the nineteen eighty seven IMSA GTO series spec. That so okay that makes sense because I th- I thought that they had done IMSA races there. Um, that's... I don't know if it yeah I'd have to go back and look and see but it, it was definitely uh, Willie T ribs there that has the fastest lap on the road course. Interesting. So uh, that concludes our our uh, pop up showers for this week. Steve, you have a question or two for us to answer. I do. Uh, I hope um, there were a couple questions that we had uh, in our mailbag, and I uh, just wanted to get to them now. So the one question we have is, and I will open it up. Uh, for anybody to answer, why aren't there 43 cars on the starting grid anymore? Does I'm, I'm guessing this has to do with the, the charter system, right? Isn't that when that, that changed? Yeah, I think it has to do with the charters. Um, I think there was part of it was that there, there became a time when, um, when they stopped getting 43 cars showing up to every event. Uh, and so they were having like shorter fields anyways. And then uh, some sort of optics thing where it's like, okay, like instead of, uh, you know, having, you know, especially in the cup series, having, you know, seven empty spots. Now they just have four, but also with the charter system, like you mentioned, Jake, um, obviously the non-charter cars don't get nearly as much prize money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, it still does take a chunk of money away that the charter teams could earn if there are non-charter cars there. So uh, I, I would suppose as part of the charter system that the, the the race team alliance is like, okay, we're happy with divvying up this, you know, giving, you know, a portion of money for four non-charter cars maximum per race as opposed to seven. Um, and in the cup and Xfinity or cup and sorry, Xfinity and truck series. Uh, I don't get it. Especially there's, there's been a couple of, uh, uh, times especially in the last few years where there's just been like one or two uh vehicles that get sent home you know for, uh after qualifying and stuff and i get that they can't take every vehicle but you're still below the number that they raced for so many years and you have to appreciate the effort put in by you know a lot of these small teams to scrape together funds and a truck and a team and or, or a car and a team and such uh you know buy the tires you know the fuel and everything to get to the racetrack especially on the west coast swing Mm-hmm. Uh, just to to not qualify, uh, I don't see you know how it's how how that really serves anybody well. I, especially, like I said, the, the economics of the sport are just not the best right now. Um, they're, they're sh- I don't think they should be turning away anybody uh, unless they have a forty three cars, and especially in the truck and Xfinity series. Agreed, and also especially on what track it is uh, with uh, the, you know the length of the track, like somewhere like Coda, it's probably not a big deal. Uh, but I. I agree with that. Martinsville, very different story. Right. Yeah. Like that would be on, un- that would be ridiculous. Nobody would finish that race. 
Um, so that the second question we have uh, relates to the numbers uh, on the cup cars. And um, do you agree or do you like or dislike the numbers being pushed to the front? Do you think that is better or worse? Does it make the cars look better or worse? Jake, you can go ahead. I'm going to be a long winded here. Um, I wasn't a fan at first uh, when the decision was made uh, with the numbers, but to be honest, watching the races now, I don't really notice. Now this all has to do, you know, with the sponsors and you know giving them more room. Uh, but for some of, for some cars and schemes, it, they don't really take advantage of this. Um, like I think they should or the way they're the, the car looks but um I, I i'm not sure if it if it helps at this point though there's probably you know some studies being done um but i don't see a huge deal um as far as what uh, fans should probably think of this i i don't really notice it anymore uh so from a design perspective I'm fine with it. Uh, I'm not like, you know, you know, jumping on the, the jumping up and down and being like, yes, it's amazing. It's the greatest thing ever. Uh, but I, I do like that. It's opened up the door for some creativity um, with having the added real estate, you know, between the, uh, the, the number and the rear wheel. Well, from a business perspective, I don't like it because I think it's a bit of a cop out by NASCAR to basically say, well, instead of giving more of the money and divvying it up amongst the teams in you know the that they take in from the gate and from TV revenue and such, we're just going to you know give the teams a little bit more opportunity to to still make the majority of their their money that they they go to the racetrack with off of sponsors. Um, I, I think it's just a cop out by NASCAR. Uh, of course, you know they're in. They're heading into renegotiations on, you know, how to revamp the charter system, if any, uh, with the finances of it. So uh, there is finally, you know, at least an opportunity for the team owners to to have a, uh, a discussion with with NASCAR about getting uh, a, a larger slice of the pie on that. But uh, I don't like the finances of of NASCAR effectively saying it was like, well, we'll take a look at that down the road. But for now here's some added real estate for you guys to sell and try to make some more money that way. Yeah, I agree with that. I like, I agree with that too. I mean, I, I don't have any issues with it uh, from a design standpoint and it has opened up the door for more creativity. There hasn't been any gripes that I've had. I think that some teams and at least a lot of teams haven't taken advantage. Like I think they could have, uh, you know, especially some of the bigger teams, uh, but that's, just how it is. I mean, I think Trackhouse, and we talked about this a little last week. Trackhouse has taken advantage to a point. Uh, Twenty three eleven has taken advantage, but overall, I'm indifferent to it. I would say that I didn't like it at first. I agree with Jake. I didn't really like it at first. Now it's fine by me. Uh, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, you can always tweet us. Uh, you know, Cloudy Mailbag uh, at uh, hashtag Cloudy Mailbag. Cloudy Racing Pod is our uh, Twitter and Instagram handle. Um, but that uh, that kind of wraps up the mailbag for this week. Like I said, we will answer any racing questions that you may have. We'll answer any questions that you have in general, really, if you want to send one in. I'll try to. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll certainly give that a shot. Uh, <laughs> Richmond up next on the schedule uh, for uh, NASCAR. What do we expect to come out of the uh, three-quarter mile D-shaped oval in Southeast Virginia? Nothing good. I mean, it, you know, I, I this is I, I dread this race every year, and and every year I am disappointed by it. So um, I'm I'm expecting one of two things. I'm expecting uh, a, a tight race um, for a little bit, and then there's going to be one thing, and there's going to be one driver that just absolutely dominates, that kind of waxes the entire field. Uh, so that's that's about all I can say. What, 10, 10 15 cars on the lead lap? Mm-hmm. This one probably. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is there a track on the schedule that has kind of just had like a fall from grace like Richmond, I just, you know, in the early 2000s, I mean, growing up, that was the place I always wanted to go or, you know, you always wanted to race on the video games and it, it had the, the sellouts and all this. Um, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful, I guess. I, I, I go in every weekend hoping for a good race. Um, I don't know. I, I guess uh, – some of the recent ones have been okay, but that is just because of um, some overtime finishes we've had. Um, but th- this reminds me a lot, a lot like Phoenix, um, uh, just the racing style and, and what what we expect heading into the weekend. Uh, I'll give credit to Richmond though; I they've done a lot with the ex- fan experience for the weekend. Um, they've invested a lot, you know, to everything. <laughs> Uh, that you can, uh, but it just the on-track product isn't there right now. I will say the uh, truck series also is in action this weekend. They're at Texas Motor Speedway uh, as a twin bill with the uh, NTT IndyCar series, uh, something they've done for many years in the past, uh, having the trucks and IndyCar at Texas at the same time. Um, I think, you know, as long as Texas is the configuration that it is, um, it, once again, it's a wash for me. Uh, it's, it's, you know, if I watch it great, if not, uh, I don't feel like I'm missing much. And, and that's, it's kind of across the board, uh, this weekend, you know, Richmond's the same way. Like I probably will watch of course. Um, but you know, something comes up and I end up getting busy. Like I'm not going to be heartbroken sitting through 400 laps on Sunday of watching, you know, nothing really happen. Although I will be interested to see, um, you know, I don't think it'll make a huge impact at Richmond, but I'll be interested to see, if there is uh, a little more tire conservation required uh, with the low downforce package being used there. We'll see. <laughs> not, so I'm not, not getting my hopes up. No, not at all. Let's take a look at our picks from last week in our actual picks. Uh, Steve leads the way with the win by Tyler Reddick. So he gets uh, 50 points for that one. Uh, Dylan, uh, finishes in second place amongst our picks. He had Alex Bowman, who came in third uh, yesterday. Then uh, I had the third result in our group. It was Daniel Suarez, who had a great run going, ended up finishing 27th. And Jake had AJ Allmendinger, also had a good run going until the end, finishing 34th. For the season standings in our actual picks, uh, Steve is out to a pretty commanding lead. Now that he has two wins, uh, ironically by drivers who effectively swapped seats, uh, th- uh, this past yeah. off season. 
So uh, Steve up to 215 points. Dylan has overtaken second. He now has 183 points. Still a ways off from Steve. I'm two points behind Dylan with 181. And Jake still uh, in fourth at 164. Oh, boys. I guess that means I go first. Hey, real quick, I have a uh, quick shout out because I had another great finish on uh, yesterday. Corey LaJoy <laughs> finished 11th. And I understand some of that was probably due to, to everybody else wrecking each other. But part of it is you just got to be there at the end. And yeah. he managed to be there at the end at a track that I don't think anybody would have picked him to finish in the top 15 at. So uh, mm-hmm. props to Corey for that. Definitely. I I could have used him with my pick. It was disappointing at the end with Almondinger. I had that kind of happened, you know, he he was up top five, top ten-ish all race, but it is what it is. I'll try to move on here. My pick for Richmond will be the person who won the spring race last year, and I'll go with Denny Hamlin. Uh like this, even, even though we won last year, and, and this is you know kind of considered his homecoming. Man, was he booed um, last year when he won that Richmond race? It, it was that race was okay because he he reeled in. If you remember, Byron uh, was really dominating parts of that race. Had a five second lead, decided to stay out for the last ninety laps. Hamlin had a little fresher tires, caught him towards the end, and it went. What Hamlin, Harvick, Byron? I'll, I'll pick Hamlin this week. It's not a bad choice at all. That's one of the guys I was going to uh, to go with, uh, and I had a couple on mind. But since you took uh, Denny, I will go ahead and take Martin Truex Jr. Uh, he has always had you know pretty solid runs there at Richmond. Uh, he had a good run at the flat, uh, freshly you know very fresh pavement track. Uh, in the uh, the Coliseum in the Clash, uh, and you know I think ultimately you know the time has to come for for him right. Uh, he's too good of a race car driver to have so many uh, down weeks. So I think you know this could be a good opportunity for MTJ to uh, to get on the board. He uh, he kind of wins the races where there's just one driver dominating. He seems Fair. to be up there, so I, I like it. I think it's quite suspicious that you both are picking Toyotas in the Toyota Owners 400 race <laughs> on Sunday, but I won't say anything further about that. My pick uh, is Alex Bowman, uh, Bowman the Showman. He has been, outside of Redick and maybe two other drivers, I think he's been the hottest driver in NASCAR this year. Um, he's had uh, only one, I believe, one start that was outside, that he, or one finish that was outside of the top 10. Uh, and including a, a you know a top ten finish yesterday, so I'm going uh, I'm going Bowman. He's won here before. Um, he's usually pretty good uh, at the beginning of the race and uh, closes in pretty solid at the end. And um, I think Hendrick is uh, not you know Byron has been the the the, the top the top driver this year, uh, but um, I'm gonna I'm taking Bowman. You know what's crazy is I was looking at our picks and not once has any of us picked William Byron. And I was I was thinking about it earlier and I was I was like, should I take MTJ or Denny or just take Byron and basically be like, I'm gonna ride it until he until he doesn't win. Uh you know, it's one of those things that, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Uh but it's interesting that none of us have picked Byron. 
Uh, and I can say that because Dylan did text us uh, his pick for this week. He's taking Kyle Busch. Uh, so Jake has Denny Hamlin. Dylan has Kyle Busch. Steve has Alex Bowman. And I have Martin Trex Jr. in our actual race picks for this weekend at Richmond. Now let's go over to our random picks for this week. Uh, and uh, some pretty good results uh, for a couple of us, actually for most of us. So Jake had Jensen Button, who came home with an 18th place finish uh, in his Cup Series debut. Uh, Dylan had uh, Ross Chastain finishing fourth. Steve, with Christopher Bell, had a 31st place finish after he was involved in a late incident uh, and ended up uh, towards the back of the pack. And I had Kevin Harvick, who had a uh, mid-pack run and... A part of that was gained off of uh, of point bumper cars a little bit. So uh, the point standings, is, I still have a pretty sizable lead, 211 points scored uh, in my random picks. Actually, as wild as it is, I have more points scored in my random picks than my actual picks, uh, as bad as that might be. Um, Dylan is in second place with 143 points. Steve, just five points behind him. And Jake has crossed over into uh, triple digits. He, he has 100 points now in our random picks. So uh, the first pick this week will go to Steve, and we'll get that rolling right now. So let me get over here. This is going to be interesting. I'm very curious as to who it's going to be because I feel like I haven't had a whole lot of good luck. My luck is coming with my actual picks and my uh, my my bad luck, I guess, so to speak, has been coming with my random picks. But um, every time I always did Steve uh, Luvender's uh, random fantasy racing, um, my picks are, I, I was, they were always wrong and bad. So <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess we'll see. So I usually I video myself uh, doing these and to send it to the guys, but the camera app on my iPhone is freaking out. Uh, so they'll have to trust me on this one, I guess. So it's going with uh, spinning around here for Steve, twenty four seven five four, and just ticks over to ninety nine. Daniel Suarez, not my, a bad pick. My amigo, I'll take it. So let's get ninety nine punched in here for Steve. Uh, next is Jake. So we'll the most shuffled up most here. average random player averaging a twenty first place finish through. Six races. Hey, here's a guy who could use a good run. Austin Dillon. <laughs> Didn't you already get Austin Dillon? I got Austin Dillon before. At Phoenix. Finished, and that's actually Jake's uh, oh, highest. High, and that's actually uh, Jake's highest finish of the season so far. 16th. Okay. Uh, I am up next. Let's see how we go here. Reed Sorensen. Uh, not even in the race. Uh, actually, very close. Uh, I did get Ty Dillon. So close. Okay. Okay. So it's this. So that's going to be either uh, a twenty-first place finish, or he's going to end up on the DVP clock and uh, out after the first lap. I will say there are thirty-seven cars entered uh, in the Cup Series race, with uh, Chandler Smith running a third colleague car. Uh, after he failed to make the Daytona 500, so uh, it is possible for Austin or for Ty Dillon to finish even a spot lower than normal this week. Uh, and now for Dillon's pick, and who does he come up with? 
Uh, not a bad pick at all. It just finished on the edge, and it ends up being Austin Sindrick. Okay. So Jake uh, with Austin Dillon, Dillon with Austin Sindrick, <laughs> Steve with Daniel Suarez, and I have Ty Dillon. So we, we got so many Dillons and Austins going on this week uh, in our in our picks uh, for uh, random fantasy racing. So, um, guys, any final thoughts as we wrap up episode seven of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing? I'm going to pray to the racing gods that this is not a boring race. This is all I am looking forward to I, I this weekend. I need uh, 400. I need the Toyota Owners 400 to produce a Chevy winner, and all will be right because I, my, my uh, real pick is Bowman, and my fantasy pick uh is uh is suarez so we're we're rooting for the chevys i need something to turn my picks around here actual and random austin dillon if you can save me and, and get at least a 15th place finish in random that would be my highest of the of the year but and uh in the actual i'm maybe uh denny can capture some of this 2311 magic from coda and uh sprinkle it in with him and his 11 team there uh well it seems like in random picks uh the door is wide open for you guys uh i will i will remind you that i've had uh in amongst all all of the the top fives i have i've also now gotten uh the 77 and 78 and uh only <laughs> those two have only been picked uh, combined one other time steve got uh uh bj mcleod at vegas uh so the door is wide open for you guys to make a run there uh in our random fantasy picks um i think it's going to wrap up episode seven of cloudy with a chance of racing uh big thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening uh make sure you subscribe rate review on your uh favorite uh podcasting platform share with your friends uh and of course we are uh Looking forward to having Dylan back with us uh, in better health next week. I think that'll wrap it up for uh, Steve, Jake, get well, Dylan. I'm Braxton. This has been Cloudy with the Chance of Racing.